What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. We've been talking about Donald Trump and his impeachment and the multiple crimes, high crimes, that is, abuse of high office and misdemeanors, actual committing crimes, his violations of both emoluments clauses of the Constitution. So just to recap, Donald Trump has pressured the president of Ukraine to intervene in our 2020 election, next year's election. He invited Russia to intervene in our 2016 election, and they took him up on the invitation. He being, of course, Donald Trump. He revealed a U.S. asset. I mean, if Obama had done just that, they wouldn't have just impeached him. They would have convicted him for treason. Burning a foreign spy who was, you know, had infiltrated ISIS. He hired a national security advisor. This would be Michael Flynn, who also worked as a lobbyist for a foreign country, specifically Turkey. And then Flynn, as national security advisor, starts promoting pro-Turkey positions. He encourages foreign leaders to stay in his hotels. N.M. Gaucho put together a great list of this stuff over at uh, DU last Friday. You've got the Saudis now of Trump bragging that the Saudis have bought the entire 45th floor of Trump Tower. They spent a couple hundred thousand dollars, you know, basically buying up an entire wing of the Trump Hotel in Washington, D.C., not buying it, but, you know, renting it. His first foreign trip is to Saudi Arabia, a country where women can't drive, can't own property, have basically no rights. And anybody who is not a, a male Saudi Muslim, Sunni Muslim, literally has no rights. I mean, it's one of the most repressive dictatorships on earth. He has burned our allies. Look at what he's done to Europe. You know, the Iran deal is a great example of that. He lied to the American people throughout the election process, throughout the primary as he was trying to become the Republican nominee. I've got no business dealings in Russia. At the same time that Michael Cohen was signing letters of agreement with Russia to build a Trump Tower in Moscow. And by the way, it's not just Russia. He's got Trump Towers all over the world in some of the Stan countries, and I believe in Indonesia, the Philippines, and Turkey, Panama. The one in Panama you know, is the hub of money laundering activity, or at least it was. 
He did not divest himself from any of these things. You know, Jimmy Carter, when Jimmy Carter became president, he put his peanut farm in a blind trust, hired a guy to run the trust, and then didn't have a conversation with the guy for all the four years he was in the White House. He actually lost a chunk of his farm because the price of peanuts went down while he was president. The guy didn't really know how to run the business. Jimmy Carter was hurt by this. Donald Trump is getting rich off being president. He lies literally every day. He's running a television ad right now, a $10 million ad buy, that starts with a lie that Joe Biden bragged about firing a prosecutor who is investigating his son. The prosecutor was not investigating his son. Joe Biden fired him, or lobbied to have him fired, on behalf of NATO, on behalf of the European Union, on behalf of President Obama, because that particular prosecutor was just insanely corrupt. And by the way, it gets even weirder with that particular prosecutor. That particular prosecutor, the corrupt prosecutor, his name is Victor Shokin. So the fired prosecutor, the corrupt prosecutor, Shokin, has sworn out an affidavit saying that Biden got him fired in order to protect Biden's son, Hunter. Now, I, you would expect this from a corrupt former official. But he did this on behalf of a Russian billionaire, or Ukrainian billionaire, excuse me, by the name of Dmitry Firtash, who was Paul Manafort's business partner. So just follow this for a second. Paul Manafort's business partner, Ukrainian billionaire, goes to the fired corrupt prosecutor and says, give me a statement that you were fired because of Joe Biden's son. The guy gives him the statement. And then he hands it off to, drum roll, DeGeneva and Tensig, who are two Fox News commentators who are lawyers, who Donald Trump once tried to hire in the White House, but they couldn't come over and help him out because of conflict of interest and all kinds of weird stuff. And by the way, this Ukrainian billionaire, he's in Austria right now, fighting extradition to the United States for bribery charges. So now the Fox News commentators have got the affidavit from the corrupt prosecutor in Ukraine saying, Biden tried to get me fired. This is Manafort, Giuliani, and Chabi. It's just, it's exploding right in front of our eyes. And this story that it's really all about Joe Biden's son being corrupt and Joe Biden facilitating that and trying to fire the guy who was trying to clean up Ukraine. That story is going to be amplified so much over the next five days on right wing hate radio and on Fox so-called news that it is going to become God's accepted truth by all the people who have been suckered by Donald Trump. Newsweek has just published this piece suggesting that Donald Trump may resign if he gets a Nixon-like immunity agreement so that he can keep his money and his kids don't go to jail. Alan J. Steinberg, who served, this is from Newsweek, Alan J. Steinberg, who served as an advisor to former President George W. Bush, wrote an opinion piece published this week that he didn't believe President Donald Trump would be removed from office through impeachment. This guy was a former EPA uh, regional administrator. 
He believes Trump is going to resign this year in exchange for immunity. He wrote this in the Star-Ledger. The self-professed Supreme Dealmaker will use his presidency as a bargaining chip with federal and state authorities in 2019, agreeing to leave office in exchange for the relevant authorities not pursuing criminal charges against him, his children, or the Trump Organization. There's only two years left in his presidential term. Actually, it's a little less than a year and a half. And with his approval ratings abysmal, forthcoming recession, no chance that he has that he's going to get reelected. And now we have two newspapers now that have publicly called for Trump to resign. So what do you think? Okay, I was going through the list of the things that this guy has done. He doesn't read briefing books. He doesn't do his job. I mean, just base, the basic do your job, sir stuff. That's not getting done. He describes white supremacists as very fine people. He told four women of color, all citizens, all members of Congress, to go back to the crime-infested places from which they came. He used the word Pocahontas telling a joke to a group of Native American World War II vets. He launched his political career by lying about Barack Obama not being a U.S. citizen. He launched his presidential campaign by referring to Mexicans, people of Mexican ancestry, as rapists. He has variously described women in politics and the media as being dogs, pigs, horse face, bleeding badly from a facelift and having blood coming out of her whatever. He's encouraged his supporters to commit violence against his political opponents. He's called for his opponents and critics to be investigated and jailed. And boy, that one is getting huge right now. The State Department, right after Trump became president, the State Department sent out notices to a bunch of people who appear in Hillary Clinton's emails saying, we're looking into this further. And then it kind of went away. But then in August, right after this phone call, well, a few weeks after, this phone call with Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, the State Department has now gone back and said to a whole bunch of people who sent emails to Hillary Clinton in the normal course of their jobs, right, people working in the State Department, people working in other branches of government, many of them weren't actually even to Clinton. They were to people who worked for Clinton and they forwarded them to Clinton. And so they ended up on Clinton's email server. The State Department has gone back and said these, you'll recall, James Comey said, we looked into this stuff and none of the stuff that was on Hillary's server was classified. There was like one document on there that had a C on it, but it had been declassified. So no problem. So the State Department, apparently in the last month or so, has gone back and retroactively classified a whole bunch of these emails that appeared on Hillary Clinton's server. And now they're going after the people who sent them saying, you may have committed a crime. We're investigating this because, you know, you sent classified information to an unclassified server. Now, really, the subtext of all this is Hillary Clinton committed a crime by having classified information on her server. Washington Post just broke this story over the weekend. So they're going back to the previous administration. They're trying to dirty Hillary up again. Why? Because, hey, it works in Trump world. So he's called for his opponents and his critics to be investigated and jailed. He uses this phrase that uh, literally Stalin and Hitler 
and Pol Pot and Kim Jong-un used to describe the media, quote, enemy of the people. He's harassed the Federal Reserve. He said that a judge couldn't be objective because his parents or grandparents were from Mexico. He broke campaign finance law by telling his lawyer, Michael Cohen, to send 280000 bucks in hush money to two women with whom he had affairs. By the way, Michael Cohen is sitting in jail for this. Trump is an unindicted co-conspirator. There's an extraordinary amount of evidence that the reason why Donald Trump has any money at all is because he's committed widespread financial fraud. The New York Times laid out how he committed, he and his sister, who stepped down from being a federal judge to block the investigation, he and his sister committed widespread tax fraud in order to smuggle more money out of his father's estate. All the while saying he was a self-made man when he took over 400 million bucks from daddy. He lied to his people on that, too. And yet, these poor suckers, I mean, you just have to feel sorry for these people. He claimed that federal law enforcement officers and federal prosecutors, U.S. prosecutors, were routinely fabricating evidence, which does a whole lot for our confidence in our criminal justice system, right? Well, of course, you know, mob bosses are always claiming that the criminal justice system is corrupt, the cops are corrupt, the courts are corrupt. Because they, you know, they're corrupt. This is what mob bosses do. He has ordered children to be physically separated from their parents and put in cages. And he tried to argue in court last week that he had the ability to do this to keep these children indefinitely. Thank God the court said, no, you can't do it indefinitely, but he's still doing it. He called our country, the United States of America, a hellhole. And some of you don't think he should be impeached or that he should resign. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. This is really and truly mind-boggling. Louise and I have been using New Leaf Natural CBD oil for a while, and I got to tell you, it's great. We love it. CBD oil is not intoxicating, which makes it great for people who want the medical benefits of cannabinoids without getting high. You know, medical marijuana uh, has uh, more than a few effects. Uh, CBD is not toxic and uh, non-toxic. It's uh, got potent pain-relieving properties and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand that I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals. New Leaf Naturals is the highest quality CBD oil on the market. It's 100% organic, highly concentrated, contains no additional additives, grown in the USA, and the only ingredient is hemp. So the product remains in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com. It's nuleafnaturals.com. And save 30% off and get free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, spelled T-H-O-M. Go to nuleafnaturals.com. To get 30% off, go to newleafnaturals, nuleafnaturals.com, and use the code TOM, T-H-O-M, newleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, and that's newleafnaturals.com. Oh, 
Paul is in the studio with us, the uh, best-selling author, senior reporter, uh, writer at Newsweek, contributing editor of Vanity Fair, previously senior writer at the New York Times for two decades, where he was a two-time finalist for Pulitzer Prize. His latest book is A Mind Unraveled, a memoir. Kurt Eichenwald with a K, K-U-R-T, Eichenwald.com is his website. You could tweet him at Kurt Eichenwald. Kurt, welcome. Great hey, to see you, great to see you again. Me. It's been a while since you've been on the show. You put together this amazing Twitter stream about what the deal is with Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. And it's a complete reframe that I think nobody gets. And up until I read your Twitter feed, I was just running on the assumption, which is basically kind of the Democratic Party position by and large, that Hunter Biden is like Billy Carter. You know, he'll have his own beer yeah, or Hugh Rodham, you know, uh, Hillary Clinton's brother that, you know, he's just, you know, uh, the black sheep of the family kind of thing. But you've got a, a different story here that I find absolutely fascinating. Tell me about this. Well, the primary thing here is, the, you know, the essence of the quote unquote scandal is the departure of the prosecutor general of the Ukraine, Viktor Shokin. Mm. And. You know, they make it out to be this ridiculous conspiracy theory that Joe Biden said in December of 2015, if you don't get rid of this guy who is blocking the attempts to solve corruption in Ukraine, if you don't get rid of this guy, we are not going to guarantee your loans for a billion dollars. And then what happens promptly is absolutely nothing. And it is not until months later when the economics minister of Ukraine resigns saying Shokin is corrupt. Shokin, the prosecutor. Yeah. And then that is followed by the International Monetary Fund saying we are going to withhold $48 billion that we have committed to you unless something is done about this corrupt guy. Then his deputy resigns saying he is corrupt and it's the next day. You know, this all takes place in a week. It's the next day that he resigns. So, so none of this had to do with Joe Biden. Nothing. The IMF and nothing. And I mean, you had you had the IMF, you had the European Union, you had Western investors, you did have the United States, you had the IMF, all of them going, this man is blocking all of the attempts to solve the corruption problem. He's blocking the formation of the group that is supposed to be focused on Ukrainian corruption. All of this is being stopped by this one man. And you've got to get him out of the way because one of the things was that all of the money that was being pledged by all of these different groups was based on Ukraine pulling itself out of intense corruption that has been undermining the government and that in the end was going to make them more susceptible to infiltration by the Russians. And so everybody wanted to give them money as sort of a counterbalance to Russia. And when they saw that Viktor Shokin was making it stop, they all pulled their money back and saying, you're not fighting corruption because okay, so, of this guy. So, so Trump is running an ad right now, the Trump re-election campaign. They just did a $10 million media buy. And they're running an ad where they've got Biden saying, you know, I told him if he didn't get rid of that prosecutor, I'd pull the billion bucks. And son of a gun, uh, a little stronger word, 
But, you know, son of a gun, they, they fired him. And, um, and, and that and, is a complete falsehood. Right. So, number one, yeah. So, so <laughs> he Biden, didn't help himself. <laughs> so Biden was, Biden was claiming credit for something that he didn't do, number one. Number two, though, the, the allegation being made in the Trump ad is that Biden was doing this because Shokin, this prosecutor who was fired, was investigating Biden's son Which and is Biden's son's company. Totally false. So tell me about that. Biden was brought on to a company, suddenly the name drops out of my head, an oil and gas company, gas company in Ukraine that was founded by a gentleman who was Burisma. a... Yes, that's the name of the company. That was founded by a man who formerly was in the government. He was being investigated for taking bribes, money laundering, and tax evasion from what he did in 2012. This is before Hunter Biden. This is before Hunter Biden. And the investigation, the British got involved in that investigation because some of his money went there. And the entity that he utilized, I'm sorry, that he was alleged to have utilized was an investment fund that had as one of its investments Burisma. And so ultimately what you're talking about is quote unquote Hunter Biden scandal is actually an investigation of a guy who was a government official for his actions as a government official who had a fund and he is accused of having used that fund to launder money out of the United States. Notice Burisma isn't in it at all. And the idea that the directors, I mean, let's talk about the directors who joined with Hunter Biden. It includes... Now, hang on just a second. Just to, just to boil this down into simple English, the company itself was corrupt. Mm-hmm. The new government came in, and when the prosecutor left, basically the government said, we're going to clean all this stuff up, including this company. Well, no, that was already happening. Okay, so... It was, and it wasn't a company. It was this guy. Okay, it was, so... It, here's the way to think of it. It's very simple. It is as if... Bill Gates was under criminal investigation for money laundering and tax fraud from a time when he served in the government. Let's pretend that. And so what they are claiming is that a member of the board of Microsoft is under criminal investigation because Bill Gates is under criminal investigation for what he did when he was a government official. It has no connection so the company was trying to clean up itself and its image, and so they invited some squeaky clean guys onto their board. Yeah. Again, one of those guys was Hunter Biden, the, the son of the vice president. Who were the other people? The former president of Poland. Who is not a corrupt guy. No. And the former head of the counterterrorism center at the CIA under George W. Bush. Is that Black? Was his name? It was Kofor Black. Black. Now, why Hunter Biden? You know, the idea is, oh, well, Hunter Biden is this nobody. No, in fact, Hunter Biden was their lawyer. Hunter Biden was part of a very prominent law firm, David Boyce's law firm, called Boyce Schiller. And Boyce Schiller... It's a D.C.-based law firm. D.C.-based law firm, very big, very prominent. And Hunter Biden was assigned to represent Burisma. And part of the reason, part of the element that Boyce Schiller had as them being their representative is they had to have a role in helping to clean up, helping to observe. And so Hunter Biden was put on the board. You know, so you look at this, it's all 
standard standard bit. Now, do I think Hunter Biden should have been on that board? Probably not. Because of the optics, not because, because of the, of the optics, yeah. because of the optics. And, you know, it's and it's not a surprise when you think about it. These are all events from the distant past. And everybody knew that these events had taken place. And suddenly Joe Biden is leading the polls and shock. It's a scandal. You know, I mean, it's one of the ridiculous things. And, and, and as soon as somebody else is leading in the polls, there'll be some new scandal. Oh, they're working scandal. on the, they're working. I mean, they've got the Bernie scandals, right? Oh, my God, he, he honeymooned in, in Russia or something like that. And now they're digging up the ones on Elizabeth Warren. I, I guarantee you. Yeah. And well, and what's wrong with that? You know, I don't care about opposition research paid for by the campaign. What is terrible about this and is new about this over the last eight years is that the GOP is using government for opposition research. You know, it is, I mean, if you go back, Benghazi, what was the scandal there? They never said. They just said Benghazi. I think the scandal was actually that the State Department had come to Congress and said, we need money to harden some of our facilities, including the CIA station or the State Department station, but the CIA was using it at Benghazi. And the Republican-controlled Congress said, no, we won't give you the additional money. That happened three or four years before Benghazi. That was the real scandal. But you look at it, and it's like there was a terrorist attack on a State Department facility. Guess what? That happens. You know, that happens a oh, lot. it happened like five or six times during the Bush administration. Yeah. During and so, Bush. And so, you know, people want to say, when you say, what's the scandal, their response is, people died. It's like, yes, what's the scandal? People die in the Middle East in in war torn. Well, countries. the allegation that they made was that Hillary Clinton, as Secretary of State, had somehow directed the the somebody to stand down and yeah. not rescue these guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, what's, is this, this is just whole cloth. It's just made up. I mean, the whole if you go back and look at it, the scandal. You know, this happened on September 11th of uh, 2012, and the scandal, quote unquote was the Obama scandal up until he won re-election. And as soon as he won re-election, it became the Hillary scandal because now she was the next. I had forgotten next. that. Yeah. I had completely forgotten that. Yeah, it that. just, they just, and if, if Hillary had moved aside, they would have totally blocked, ben, they would have dropped Benghazi and they would have started running hearings on whoever was leading in the polls at that point. One of the problems, and this is how they got themselves where they are, one of the problems with the GOP is that they cannot anymore run on ideas. You know, what are their ideas? Tax cuts, we hate homosexuals, but no, we really don't, but we'll say we do until we're, you know, away from people who hate homosexuals. And what else? You know, deregulation. Okay, how many times can you right. say this? Muslims. Yeah, Muslims. So it's black people, Hispanics. Yeah. So it's it's hate and let's make the rich richer. Those are not ideas. So what do they have left? They have let's make the Democrats out to be as corrupt as we are. As corrupt as we are. <laughs> and let's just make stuff up. And you know, when you and this is what's wrong for, for someone like me is that I dig into 
the facts. I dig into what are the regulations surrounding the use of private email servers in the State Department pre-2013. And one of the things people don't know, you know, when the New York Times started getting challenged on that, they cited something in the Federal Register, but apparently they didn't read it. Because I went and looked at it and wrote an article saying it says the opposite of what they claim. It says, if you're using a private server, here's what you need to do. It's like, well, this obviously allows it. So Hillary, Hillary Clinton did didn't do anything wrong. wrong. Does that mean that uh, apparently Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump are using a private server? Yeah, and for, so for did and so did Is that Col- okay? No, the rules changed in 2013. Ah, but, so, if, so, but if you want to so go Trump's back, breaking the law. If you want to go back in time, yes, Hillary had a private server. You know what? What Colin Powell used for his private emails within the State Department? It was AOL. It was AOL. Yeah. It was an AOL plugged into the wall of his office on a laptop. Uh, you had Condoleezza Rice. But that was the Bush administration. That was the Bush, so it's wrong, okay. Right, yeah. In Republican but, but, world. We're talking with Kurt Eichenwald, best-selling author and senior writer at Newsweek, contributing editor of Vanity Fair, et cetera, et cetera, senior, former senior writer at the New York Times. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Bloomberg reports there's an increasing number of people concerned about their wealth due to the fear we may be entering a larger economic crisis than 2008. If you've been paying attention, you know the Dow recently had its sixth largest point loss in history, and the stock market continues to show extreme volatility. Meanwhile, central bank gold purchases have risen to a six-decade high, sending gold prices higher. CNBC and the World Gold Council reports Russia and China are swapping out U.S. dollars from their own portfolios, investing in safer, more liquid assets like gold. And what makes things even more suspicious, the U.S. Federal Reserve reportedly holds the most gold of all central banks. What's everyone getting ready for? If you share the gut feeling that something is soon to go south with the global economy, call my friends at ITM Trading at one own gold Proper gold and silver strategy will help secure your entire wealth portfolio. Call ITM Trading at one own gold Gold. Ask them for their free gold protection guide and secure your wealth while you still can. That's 1-888-OWNGOLD. Kurt Eichenwald, you were about to say what really upsets you about all this. What happens is that The Republicans go off and they start making an argument and they feed it through Fox News and they feed it through the bubble. And eventually what happens is that the political reporters pick it up. And when you stand back, when someone like me comes along and says, no, let's talk about it. You know, yeah, it takes a lot of information to say this is nonsense. But a lot of the reporters are just doing the, you know, Congressman X says why. And the response is this. And it's like, why don't you look into what why is? Why don't you check the regulation? Why don't you find out the history of Ukraine? Why don't you find out who this prosecutor was and what the I mean, does anyone really believe that Joe Biden walked in and said, we're going to withhold a billion dollar loan guarantee when Ukraine was getting $48 billion from the IMF 
and they say, oh, we're going to start firing people. And, you know, they don't they don't know that his deputy resigned. They don't know that the IMF was even giving any money. They don't know about the EU giving any money. They don't know the basics of any of these scandals. And they so they keep perpetuating them. And, you know, the end point is any time someone says this, some Republican says this, there needs to be the response. There needs to be the question of, so you don't think that the resignation of his deputy the day before he resigned, where he accused him on national television of corruption, do you think that had nothing to do with it? Do you think that the IMF you know, the IMF threatened to withhold $48 billion for the same isn't, reason. Isn't the bigger lesson here that every time the Republican Party or individual Republicans get away with these lies, and we've seen this, by the way, we, we also see this in social issues. You see this, uh, you know, I mean, going back to, to Reagan's stuff around AIDS, you see this around some of the abortion debates, you see this around some of the birth control debates. I mean, they just literally make stuff up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, oh, yeah, you know, killing babies after they're born, you know, infanticide. They're now passing laws against infanticide. Nobody's practicing infanticide. And the more they get away with it, the more they do it. And it's this both sidesism in the media. It, and what it is um, is the uh, corruption of America by Fox News. Republicans know they can literally say anything. Did you? And- did you see Kevin Rudd's piece in the Sydney Morning Herald? No. This is maybe eight, ten months ago, maybe a year ago. He wrote, a, uh, Kevin Rudd is the former prime minister of Australia, the last relatively progressive prime minister of Australia, as far as I know. And he wrote an op-ed titled, Rupert Murdoch is the cancer at the heart of Australian democracy. Yeah. And he documents this in this op-ed. It's, it's you know, maybe 2,000 words. And he goes into how... Murdoch took over the media in Australia, how Murdoch now owns more than 50% of all the media in Australia, or the print media, and he corrupted the government in Australia. Then he went to the UK and corrupted the government there, and then he came to the US and corrupted the government here via Fox News. It's a mind-boggling piece. I strongly recommend it to you. Kurt, we've been talking about Fox News seems to be at the core of so much of this stuff. It's the place where the poison begins. There was an interesting op-ed a couple of days ago, I'm trying to remember who wrote it, suggesting that really the Murdoch family holds the fate and future of the United States in their hands. Rupert has turned over to his son, Lachlan, apparently most of the control of Fox News, and nobody quite knows which direction he's going to go. Lachlan's brother is fairly progressive, or at least his wife is outspokenly progressive. Lachlan himself appears to be more of kind of an old-school conservative, but not a, a crazed reactionary like his father, Rupert. Um, any sense of where this is all going? We're seeing Fox News right now break into open conflict on the air, you know, between the reporters like Shep Smith and, and Chris Wallace and the, the primetime talent like Sean Hannity. I don't think anything's going to change. And one of the reasons is that literally they have crazy people in their primetime episodes. Are they crazy people or are they people who have figured out that with this story, we can grab viewers and make a hell of a lot of money? No, I actually, I've debated this in my head for a long time. Take Sean Hannity. Is he crazy or does he believe it? And, you know, you if you go back and you look, there was that filing. Or is he just a cynical, you know? No, he's crazy. When you, <laughs> when you go back and you look at his text messages with Paul Manafort, 
and those were filed in court. He is sitting there talking about the deep state, which is something they made up when Trump became president. And he literally believes that there is some vast conspiracy. I mean, there's no different bet- difference between what he believes and what Joe McCarthy was pushing. You know, I have in my hand the names of 57 communists right. in the State out, Department. And it turned out it was, a, it was a piece of paper that had no, no such list. Of yeah, them. and ultimately what Sean Hannity had done is that he believes his own garbage. And when you have that kind of person pushing stuff out, the Republican Party knowing they can say anything and it will get pushed out. And then they had the big mistake. The big problem is that they elected someone who was too dumb to know that it was all a scam. And so he set off, you know, other governments and his own people to go chase down the conspiracy theories, which is you know, it, it is the ultimate endpoint here. Right. You're supposed to promote the conspiracy theories, bring in the rubes, bring in the money, but you don't actually dig deep into them because once you do, they're going to fall apart. But that's what Bill Barr is doing right now. And, uh, you know, in, in, in my new book, I've got uh, uh, on page 118, I think it starts, um, four pages about how Bill Barr shut down the Iran-Contra investigation. The same way, by pardoning Ali North and, and Elliot Abrams and, and five other people, Casper uh, Weinberger. Um, you know, Lawrence Walsh went nuts, screaming headline in the New York Times and, and uh, Christmas Eve 1992. Attorney General Bill Barr covers up, you know, I mean, Lawrence Walsh was crazed by this. So you've got all this stuff going on. And, and now you've got Barr now trying to discredit not just, you know, the current scandal that has to do with Ukraine. You've got him trying to discredit the Mueller investigation. Which I don't understand why people aren't going more nuts about that. Mueller indicted or got guilty pleas from 37 people and organizations. Right. That's a waste of time. And in terms of them saying, oh, it wasn't Russia, it was Ukraine. You have Sweden saying it was Russia. You have Britain saying it was you got Russia. Israel say, I mean, everybody. Everybody. Yeah. Kurt Eichenwald. Kurt, thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks Great having you in the studio. Wow. I mean, this is just, you know, the whole thing is just absolutely mind boggling. Gail in Antelope, California, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Gail, what's up? Just a couple of things I want to run by you. I like the interview with Kurt. That was really good. But, you know, I think I have heard the word unprecedented probably 5,000 times since all of this has gone on. And every time they do something new, everybody is like, oh, we're shocked. How can this be happening? This is crazy. This is bonkers. This is unprecedented. Actually, it really makes a lot of sense if you think about it in this term. We've had cuckoo berries come before our country, you know, with McCarthy and all those other lunatics. But they really had the backing of a foreign entity before. If anybody thinks that Donald Trump, Mike Pompeo, and Bill Barr are, like, doing this on their own, they're not. If you consider that, if you took a picture and you flashed it across the TV screen of Vladimir Putin sitting in the Oval Office in the White House with a phone in one hand and a pen in the other, then none of this would be unprecedented. None of it would be shocking. It would make perfect sense. And I think people really have not grasped a hold of the idea in general that really Vladimir Putin is practically running this country and dictating foreign policy. This is all being done for his benefit. That was essentially the point that... that, 
Yeah, hang on just a second, Gail. That was essentially the point that Rachel Maddow made on her TV show last night. And yeah, uh, I mean, at seriously. least, but, but let me let me finish with regard to Donald Trump. And I and I get it where Trump may be either being blackmailed by by mm-hmm. uh, President Putin, uh, you know, PP tapes or God only knows what, or he might mm-hmm. be being enticed by Putin. Yes, when you get out of the White House, we've got a billion dollar project for you in downtown Moscow, the new biggest Trump Tower in the world. I get that. Mm-hmm. What I don't get is why Mike Pompeo and Bill Barr would jump on that particular train. I get where they would be loyal to Trump, where they would say, okay, you know, we want to we want to try and get, you know, the, the president of Ukraine to say we're wonderful or whatever. But I don't get where those two guys would say, we're going to do things that are in the best interest of Russia and not in the best interest of the United States. They probably have completely self-centered motives, and we don't really know a lot about their background. I mean, they just kind of popped up. I mean, we never really well, heard Bob a lot about Well, was the attorney general like, in 92. He was the one who covered up Iran-Contra. Yeah, and how, long, how many people even remember that? Yeah. See, people have short-term memories. They do. <laughs> and as far as the GOP goes, they're nothing but a bunch of political whores. They sold themselves out to money years ago. Period. Well, and 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 that's one possible explanation is that it's not so much that they're loyal to either Putin or Russia, but they're they're loyal to money. There might be a lot of money being dangled out there for people, you know, for good soldiers like Barr and Pompeo. But oh yeah. But to think that these guys would actually, I can see Trump actually working for a foreign power. I I just the rest of because he's stupid. Well, because he's greedy. But the rest of them... And he's not very bright. And he's been taking money from Russian oligarchs and Ukrainian oligarchs and every other kind of oligarch, you know, Panamanian oligarchs, for decades. I get that. But Pompeo and Barr? Moscow Mitch sold us out for a... There you go. 200 million bucks, yeah, for, for Mitch McConnell. You're right, Gail. Thank you for the call. By the way, there's not just one whistleblower. I mean, you got the whistleblower who, if the New York Times reporting is accurate, and there's no reason to believe it's not, um, this whistleblower who worked for the CIA and was uh, liaisoned to the White House for a short period of time because he had expertise on Ukrainian matters. He's the guy who pointed out that Trump was trying to uh, extort or blackmail or whatever, criminally conspire with Ukraine these Javelin missiles, which are anti-tank missiles because the Russians are coming across with tanks, that he wanted Javelin missiles. And Trump said, you know, however, or though, I would like, you know, I I would like a favor, though. So we've got that whistleblower. And that whistleblower, Adam Schiff says, is going to testify before Congress this week. And, uh, you know, that should be very interesting. But it turns out that there is a second whistleblower. And the second whistleblower is one that uh, Chairman Neal of the Ways and Means Committee. You recall, Ways and Means is the committee that, it's like the way by which we fund our government and the means by which we fund our government. The Ways and Means Committee is actually a very, very powerful committee that has to do with money. How federal money is spent, where it comes from, where it goes, all that kind of stuff. And Richard Neal, who is this kind of very soft-smoking, he's from Massachusetts, he's a quiet guy, low-profile, doesn't do TV, most people don't even know who he is. He's the chair of the Ways and Means Committee. And this is why the law 
that was passed back in the 1920s, I think it was in the neighborhood of the time of the Teapot Dome scandal. Albert Fall was the Secretary of the Navy back then, and a buddy of his got this deal for, I don't recall if it was natural gas or oil, but I think it might have been gas, but whatever it was, it was this repository, this huge reserve, which was the essentially the strategic reserve for the Navy, if I'm remembering my history right. It's been 20 years, but this is my recollection. And Albert Fall corruptly gave it to or gave a contract to do whatever with it to a buddy of his. And this scandal broke. And what happened was when that, when that happened, Congress passed a law saying somebody's got to be able to see if the president is corrupt. You know, if he's got money coming in from sources other than his government's salary or what he was doing before he became president. And so they decided that they would give that power to look at the president's tax returns to one man, one individual. And in this day and age, it could be one woman. Back then, it was all men. And that one man would be the chair of the House Ways and Means Committee. That's the one person in all of elected government who can actually ask the IRS to give him the president's tax returns and the IRS according to the law, shall deliver them. Now, Steve Mnuchin, the Secretary of the Treasury, who is, oversees the IRS, is in violation of that law right now. And the Commissioner of the Internal Revenue Service, who used to be a lawyer, a tax lawyer who worked for Donald Trump, is in violation of that law right now. But that's the law. And a whistleblower has come forward saying that the IRS is not handling this legally. The IRS, there's something up over at the IRS with regard to Trump's tax returns. And I've got the goods on this thing. And I would like to tell you about it. And uh, Richard Neal is talking right now with the attorneys for the House of Representatives. He received this back in July, by the way. This is now the last day of September. But back in July, he got this whistleblower report, and he's basically been sitting on it. I mean, nobody's been paying much attention to it. Because, ah, it's just the president's tax returns. Right. So, anyhow, he, uh, he met with uh, Nancy Pelosi. And she told him and the heads of five other committees... You guys collectively are in charge of the impeachment of Donald Trump. Now, Adam Schiff has become first among equals. He runs the Intelligence Committee. But right now, he is trying to decide whether or not to release this, this complaint. And I think, frankly, he should. And if you happen to be in Massachusetts, in uh, Senator, uh, Congressman Richard Neal's district... He's a good Democrat. You might want to give him a shout. Maybe even if you're not in Massachusetts, because after all, he represents all of us as a committee chair. You can reach him by calling the Congressional Switchboard, 202-224-3121. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Hey, trying to drop some pounds? Until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. 
Uh, Louise convinced me there was one worth sharing. Well, a year later, I have to say she's right. Louise said once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy and she's kept it off. My producer, Sean, was so impressed with Louise's results that she's trying Ridges Zone too. Sean wants to lose a little weight before the holidays, and she says Ridges Zone is the easiest diet supplement she's ever used. One capsule with breakfast and forget it. No jitters, no hunger, no wild food cravings. Sean says meals are no longer a battle uh, not to overeat. She feels full faster and has reduced portion sizes accordingly. She also says she feels full longer, so no more grazing between meals either. The only ingredient in Ridgeson occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant. That really appealed to both Louise and Sean. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgeson a try. Use the promo code TOM, T-H-O-M, and receive up to 65% off plus free shipping. Go to RidUZone.com. It's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. RidUZone.com. Promo code TOM, T-H-O-M. RidUZone.com. So that's what's on my plate here. Let's pick up some of your phone calls. Christine in Ashland, Oregon. Hey, Christine, what's up? Hi, Tom. My question is, if President Trump is saying foreign dirt is fine to get on a political opponent, why can't we reopen the Steele dossier? As far as I know, certain things were confirmed in there. Mm -hmm. And can we also, or not us as the public, but can the states check out the other calls on Trump's server, you know, like Saudis and Putin and Mr. Putin. Yeah. Well, and Mr. Putin actually tweeted over the weekend that Donald Trump may not release the transcripts of his calls with Mr. Putin or President Putin without President Putin's permission. I did not realize that the president of the United States had to answer to any other country, you know, in doing what they're doing. But I believe, you know, that that was Putin's way of telling Trump that he owns him. But with regard to the whole Steele dossier, here's the thing. Congress can impeach Trump for 20 or 30 different things, any one of which Bill Clinton or Barack Obama would have been impeached for in a heartbeat, and all of which Donald Trump is guilty of. So he's probably the most impeachable president in the history of the United States. But it appears that the strategy that Nancy Pelosi is following, and she, as I've noted before on this program, probably one of the most brilliant and competent politicians of my lifetime, of this generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What she has decided, and I think she's right, is that the American people have an attention span that is very, very, very short. And you have to hand them a very simple story. Have you seen the ad that the Republicans are running against Joe Biden right now? No, I don't watch Fox News unless I'm lashed. Oh, it's it's going to be coming to ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN, you know, coming to a TV near you any minute now. It's a $10 million ad buy. And basically what it, it starts out with, a, I don't remember the exact sequence, but here's the narrative. Basically, they say Joe Biden was being investigated by a prosecutor in Ukraine. And then you hear Joe Biden saying, we offered them a billion dollars, but I'm holding it back until they fire that guy. And then one day when I held the money back, son of a gun, only he uses the B word, the son of a gun, they fired him. 
And then you go back to the narrator who says, you know, essentially, yes, uh, Biden uh, fired the uh, prosecutor who was investigating his own son. And then, you know, at the end, Trump says, you know, I approve this ad. Well, in fact, that prosecutor was not investigating Biden's son at that time. And I'm not sure that he ever did. Right. Uh, but anyhow, it's, my point is that's a very simple narrative. And the Republicans understand very simple narratives move people. All you have to do is say Benghazi, email. And it evokes these entire, quote, scandals that were, it turns out they were non-scandals. There was no there there in either case. And yet both of them were turned into monstrous things because they were simple narratives. So what Pelosi is going to do here is use this very simple narrative of you had a country that was under attack. Ukraine was under attack from Russia. It was occupied by Russia. Parts of Western Ukraine are occupied right now. And Crimea has been taken. They're under attack from a foreign country. And Donald Trump says, hey, if you want some defensive weapons, manufacture some dirt on Joe Biden for me. And it's going to be that's going to be the beginning and end of it. That that is that is the corruption. That is the crime. It is certainly impeachable, assuming that it's provable. And I think that the transcript actually proved it. We just don't need to go any farther. So that's where they're going to go. But to your specific suggestion, yeah, the Steele dossier is probably worth reexamining at this point, given what we know and what we've learned since uh, since you know that whole thing uh, Christine thanks a lot for the call great to hear from you it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out I was so disappointed last week when Joe McGuire the director of national intelligence was interrogated by the Democrats and they frankly pissed away several hours demanding to know why he waited three weeks and never even discussing the essence, or at least in any detail, the essence of the whistleblower campaign. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archive. The simple narrative they went after is you waited when it should have been the president's a crook. The modern Republican Party came into being in the 1980s with the help of big money as a result of the 1976 and 78 Buckley and First National Bank Supreme Court decisions. The Supreme Court essentially created the modern Republican Party by saying big money can own politics. And the Democrats were still largely, you know, basically owned by, for, you know, to use the same language, labor unions, right? The Democrats, by and large, at that point, still were in bed with labor. I mean, labor still existed. It was about a third of Americans were unionized when Reagan came into office. So the Republicans said, okay, cool, we'll take your money. We'll, you know, we'll get in bed with you. Koch brothers and, and Richard Mellon Scaife and Joe Coors and, and all these guys and, you know, who had started in the 70s as a result of the Powell memo. And then Lewis Powell, of course, authored the 1978 First National Bank versus Buckley decision, which said that corporations can now own politicians. Two years earlier in the Buckley decision, the Supreme Court said that individual billionaires can own politicians. So this is where we're at. So it seems to me like the Republican, the modern Republican Party is falling apart, for lack of a better word. I mean, it's, it's just disintegrating. Meanwhile, Bill Barr is running around the world, also apparently trying to find dirt on to discredit the FBI, CIA, NSA, Department of Defense, military intelligence, 17 different intelligence agencies all said, yeah, the Russians were involved in our election. And Trump doesn't like that because it suggests that he's president because the Russians helped him out. And he's trying to discredit it. And he's got Barr and Pompeo doing this. Barr was in Italy over the weekend. 
In fact, apparently he's there now, or he's in Spain now, I guess. So I just wanted to share with you a couple of pages. This is really well-timed. My book, The Hidden History of the Supreme Court and the Betrayal of America, is out today. And this is from page 118. And I'm just going to read a little bit of this to you or share a little bit of this with you and offer you commentary because I think it's so relevant to what's going on right now. During the week of Christmas, 1992, George H.W. Bush was on his way out of office. Bill Clinton had won the White House the month before and in a few weeks would be sworn in as president. But George Bush's biggest concern, this is George Bush the elder, he was president for a couple more weeks. His biggest concern wasn't that he'd have to leave the White House to retire back to Connecticut, Maine, or Texas, where he had mansions, but rather that he might end up in a federal prison. Because independent counsel Lawrence Walsh was closing in on him fast, and George Bush's diary was the key to it all. Walsh had been appointed independent counsel in 86 to investigate the Iran-Contra crimes of the Reagan administration. Did the plot start in the spring of 1980 during the Reagan-Carter election as a way of having the Iranians hold the hostages long enough to humiliate Carter and cost him the election? Did Bill Casey do it all by himself as campaign manager? Or, as with Nixon in 68, did the presidential candidate or his former CIA chief turned vice presidential candidate participate? Or was the Iran-Contra conspiracy limited as Reagan and Bush insisted and Reagan confessed on TV? In later years of the Reagan presidency, was it limited to a response to hostage-taking in Lebanon? Who knew? What? And when? Walsh, the special prosecutor, had zeroed in on documents that were in the possession of Reagan's former defense secretary, Casper Weinberger, who all the evidence showed was definitely in on the deal, and Bush's diary that could corroborate it, which is why Walsh had subpoenaed Bush's diary. Weinberger was preparing to testify that Bush knew about it and even participated. And Walsh had already, based on information he'd obtained from the investigation into Weinberger, demanded that Bush turn over his diary from the campaign. Bush was panicked. And he only had three more weeks of safety in office. Is this sound, is starting to sound familiar? Is this starting to sound sort of like Trump right now? So Bush called in his attorney general, William Barr. Keep in mind, this is December of 1992. Bush called in his attorney general, William Barr, and asked his advice. Barr, along with Bush, was already in trouble. The iconic New York Times writer, William Sapphire, referred to him not as attorney general Barr, but instead as cover-up general Barr, noting that in another scandal having to do with Bush selling weapons of mass destruction to Saddam Hussein, Barr was already trying to cover up for Bush himself and his friends. On October 19, 1992, William Sapphire wrote of Bill Barr's unwillingness to appoint an independent counsel to look into what was then called Iraq Gate. And this is a quote from William Sapphire's column. Why does the cover-up general resist independent investigation? Because he knows where it may lead to Dick Thornburg, James Baker, Clayton Uter, Brent Scrocroft, and himself, William Barr. He vainly hopes to be able to head it off or at least be able to use the threat of firing to negotiate a deal. End of quote. Now, just two short months later, Bush was asking Barr for advice on how to avoid another very serious charge in the Iran-Contra crimes. How, he wanted to know, could they shut down Walsh's investigation before Walsh's lawyers got their hands on Bush's diary? In April 2001, safely distant from the swirl of D.C. politics, the University of Virginia's Miller Center was compiling oral presidential histories and interviewed Barr about his time as AG in the Bush White House. 
They brought up the issue of the Weinberger pardon and Barr's involvement in it. Turns out Barr was right in the middle of it. This is what Barr told the Miller Center at the University of Virginia back in 2001. He said, quote, there were some people arguing just for a pardon for Weinberger. And I said, no, in for a penny, in for a pound. I went over and told the president I thought he should not only pardon Casper Weinberger, but while he was at it, he should pardon about five other people. End of quote, which is exactly what Bush did on Christmas Eve when most Americans weren't checking the news. The holiday notwithstanding, the result was explosive. America knew that both Reagan and Bush were up to their necks in the Iran-Contra crimes, and both could be facing prison time as a result. The Independent Council had already obtained one conviction and three guilty pleas, and two other individuals were lined up for prosecution. And Walsh was closing in fast on George Herbert Walker Bush himself. So when Barr and Bush shut down the investigation by pardoning not only Weinberger, but also the five others involved in the crime, destroying Walsh's ability to prosecute anybody and wiping out his leverage to get Bush's diaries, the New York Times ran the headline all the way across four of the six columns on the front page, screaming in all caps, Bush pardons six in Iran affair, aborting a Weinberger trial, prosecutor assails cover up. Bill Barr had struck, saving the political life of a Republican president so the future Republican presidential nominees wouldn't suffer under the cloud of Reagan's and Bush's crimes. The second paragraph of the Times story by David Johnson laid it out. Mr. Weinberger was scheduled to stand trial on January 5th on charges that he lied to Congress about his knowledge of the arms sales to Iran and efforts by other countries to help underwrite the Nicaraguan rebels, a case that was expected to focus on Mr. Weinberger's private notes that contained references to Mr. Bush's endorsement of the secret shipments to Iran. When a Republican president is in serious legal trouble, Bill Barr is the go-to guy. And it goes on for another page and a half about basically how Bill Barr broke the law, shut down the investigation. This was in 1992. I document all this in my new book, The Hidden History of the Supreme Court and the Betrayal of America, because it has to do with the Supreme Court and the, and the packing of the court by Republican presidents. And, I, you know, it's pretty amazing stuff. But that's, you know, Bill Barr is up to this. Pompeo is up to this. And now Pompeo has also ordered the State Department, the prosecutors inside the State Department, to go back to people who sent emails to Hillary Clinton, which she had on her home server, and say, you know, we have retroactively classified these emails as top secret. And therefore, you may have committed a crime. Or you may be a witness to Hillary Clinton committing a crime. So here they are. I mean, Mike Pompeo and the State Department are trying to get Hillary Clinton indicted for having secure information on her server. At the same time, by the way, that up until very recently, and maybe continuing, but up until this last year, Jared Kushner and Ivanka Trump were conducting government business on their own private servers. The former director of the CIA, Kofor Black, and, you know, another uh, European official and Hunter Biden were apparently all put on the, on the board of this gas company to try to clean up the corruption. This is, the, I mean, it's, the whole thing is getting very, very strange. And meanwhile, Trump is lying about what's going on so badly that the inspector general for the intelligence community, the chief cop for the intelligence community, has come out and said, nah, nah, this is just, you know, you know, basically Trump is lying to you. You 
You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Thank you.